last 2,000 years, the church has been facing continual opposition and oppression. There were moments when seemingly the Roman Empire might indeed snuff out that little light of ours. There are moments when even now, as we look at the cultural landscape, the political landscape, the social, the economic, the racial, and see it in light of the gospel, we must ask a question, what is indeed the future of the gospel? What is the future of the gospel? The zealous person here today may say they turn that everything's going to turn around tomorrow. It's just going to happen. And the danger can be that if you lean that way, that you may begin to condemn others who aren't perfect or maybe churches who aren't getting it right quick enough. Today's text is going to remind us that the kingdom is not coming like we think as the growth will be slow, but it's certain. On the other end from the optimistic person or the overzealous one is indeed maybe the cynical or the pessimist. The tendency here is to think that maybe things will never get better. It's easy to become bitter, to close up shop on the church or other believers and just walk away. Yet Jesus says to us today, the kingdom is coming. The harvest is certain. Don't lose sight of the end. No matter maybe which one of those two poles, maybe you gravitate or maybe you find yourself fluctuating somewhere in between. Today, I want to remind you with this, this truth. The kingdom is coming. And although it's growing, maybe slow. Its end is certain. The kingdom is coming, and although it's growing, may be slow, its end is certain. We continue our way through the Gospel of Matthew, and this morning we come to the Matthew 13, verses 24 to 43. Jesus is again telling another parable or a story with a point, and guess what? Again, this time he uses farming, just like last week. His point is, is he uses things that people understand, these vivid imageries and metaphors and different things to describe spiritual truths. Today, we have to ask this question. Why is Jesus constantly talking about the kingdom? Listen to what he says as he opens this moment. Here, verse 24, Matthew uh, Matthew 13. He put another parable before them, speaking again of the crowds, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Right Again, Jesus is here now starting again to tell them about the kingdom of heaven. Right, And we're asking, like, Jesus, why? Why do you keep talking about the kingdom so much? And I think it's important that we understand the time and place of this audience. When Jesus is preaching, the Israelite people are under the yoke of the Roman oppression. See, at one point, Israel had been politically independent, economically self-sufficient, and yet now poverty rules. In fact, they live in a culture and a world maybe that seems similar to ours in some ways where economic and social freedom seem miles away. So the people of that day were praying that sometime soon a emancipator, a Messiah, a one who would come on the scene and free them. And if you look at Acts 5, Gamil, this leader of the Jewish people, says there's been tons of these guys who have come on the scene saying it's me. They claim, listen, I mean, that's the, I guess maybe part of the excitement is that Jesus is here. He's this miracle worker from Nazareth, this seemingly out of the way place, but man, his miracles are undeniable. And what's interesting about Jesus is from Matthew 4, verse 17 on, he constantly preaches this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When he sent his disciples out, he told them to go and preach the, the kingdom of heaven is here So the people are hearing it, they're seeing these miracles, and they are wondering, guys, this is it. This is going to be our moment. Rome is going to be finished. Finally, once and for all, we'll be free. Finally, once and for all, the world will know that there is a God in Israel who reigns. 
this is their moment until it's not their moment. Well, not like they expect, not like the disciples expect, not like the crowds expect, not like even the religious leaders expect. This can't be the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because it doesn't look like what they expect. Ever been there? I think Jesus comes to teach them and to reorient reorient their minds and their hearts just like he needs to do with ours. The kingdom is not like we think. Maybe you've had moments where you've been like the people of Israel, like, God's here now, the kingdom is here now, that means that mom surely will get better. I mean, God's here now, right? I mean, the kingdom's here now, surely my candidate will end up in the White House. I mean, God's here now, I mean, surely he's going to wipe out COVID. God's here now, I mean, he's surely going to fix my family. God's going to... You ever had those moments when maybe it doesn't work out like you had hoped or prayed or felt certain that it should? Like you were so convicted about, man, God's here. Surely the kingdom's going to look like I think it should look. And maybe for you and I, just like the people of Jesus' day, we need a clear picture of what is the kingdom of heaven. Like what is Jesus talking about? What's he bringing? Because it doesn't make sense to those people. They expect if the kingdom is here and the king is here, then everything looks different. And yet for them, seemingly so many things look the same. I mean, evil seems so rampant. Wickedness and ungodliness. And guess what? Jesus is going to encounter that through this parable of the weeds, as it's called. And again, I want you to wrestle with this big idea today. The kingdom is coming, and although it's growing, it's slow. Its end is certain. Today, maybe we would see through this parable or through this story of teaching about Jesus, maybe three different truths. First, we're going to encounter that there's an opposition, right? The kingdom is going to grow despite opposition. Then we're going to see that the kingdom is growing despite this oddity of what the kingdom actually looks like. And then finally, as the kingdom grows, we must keep our eyes fixed on the ultimate outcome. So let's begin today with this idea first. The kingdom grows despite opposition. Pick up as you would begin in verse 24 here again of Matthew 13. He put another parable or a story with a point before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. Right? I mean, this the story seems to be starting out really well. Like he's sowing seed in his field. But again, then this comes this moment of him being that he's sleeping and then the enemy comes. And he begins to do, not in fact sowing good things, but sowing weeds among the wheat, and it goes away. So it says, when the the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. Now again, when you hear this statement that while his men were sleeping, it doesn't indicate laziness. It just indicates that the enemy is stealthy and malicious. He's sneaky. He's, as Paul says in the church at Corinth, he masquerades as an angel of light. Scholars believe that what the enemy likely sowed was the bearded darnel, which is botanically close to the wheat and difficult to distinguish at early stages. It's just hard to tell which one is the wheat and which one is the weed. It's not until things begin to gradually start to grow and over time you start to recognize that's the wheat and that's the weed. Why? Because one produces grain and the other doesn't. But might we ask, well, who's the enemy here and and what's he doing? What's he about? Why is he sowing this? What's happening? Listen to Jesus explaining the parable to the disciples in the back part of the story. It's verse 37 of Matthew 13, the same chapter. 
he answered as they were asking him again, explain to us this parable of the weeds. He says, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. So hear that context. The field represents the world. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of who? The evil one. Who is whom? Satan. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are angels. Right? I mean, there's this, this moment in which Jesus is the Messiah. The kingdom is here. Right? I mean, the Son of Man has come. The, he's sowing the good seed. And again, the good seed represents the sons of the kingdom. It's God's children. But the evil one is also sowing seed. Right? And, and the evil one's seed represents the sons of the evil one. So the weeds represent the ungodly, the wicked, the rebellious. And so again, we might ask Jesus, as the people of that day must have been wondering, if you're actually the king, then why are the weeds here? Why is there so much evil going on? Why is there so much ungodliness? And listen, Jesus is saying to us and to them, guys, don't lose heart. The enemy and the opposition will be here to the very end. Don't be deceived into thinking what you're hearing today about the kingdom coming means that that must mean Rome is immediately out that things are absolutely going to go perfect in your life, that Satan's just going to go to fold up shop now. He says, I want you to know that Satan is going to remain, the evil one is going to remain until the very end as he looks to the harvest. And might we ask, well, what's Satan's plans? Like, what's the enemy's plans against you, against your family, against this church, against the world? Did you notice it? He sows right alongside You see, there's good seed planted, but right next to it is an evil, wicked seed. I mean, it's right there next to you, the seat across from you in your classroom. It's the person you work with side by side on your job site. The scary truth is, it may be the person down the pew from you this morning. Or maybe even it's you. It's a terrifying thing to consider what's happening here is that he is sowing this seed right alongside the work of what God is doing. And in fact, it's not obvious who the weeds are until one begins to bear grain and the other one doesn't. This text might remind us today that it's wise to be patient when it comes to appointing leaders in the church. It's possible that someone could appear like a son of the kingdom, but actually be a son of the evil one. Thus, Paul says to us in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22, that we are to be slow in the laying on of hands, in the ordaining of pastors and deacons, in, in commissioning of missionaries. Why? Because he says, listen, some people's evil heart becomes obvious at the beginning, but others, he says, trails behind them. They're able to conceal it. Furthermore, when he speaks to the, the call to raise up pastors and elders in the church, he says in 1 Timothy 3.16 that the elders and pastors are not to be recent converts. He says, well, they may become conceited, puffed up like the devil. Again, the reminder is the church must be patient and watchful because, beloved, listen, you get a wolf in this pulpit. It's as Brother Ronald showed us in Sunday school this morning. The enemy will stri- strike the shepherd, and when he strikes the shepherd, the sheep will be scattered. And beloved, listen, don't be convinced just because, again, I'm here today that I'm not a wolf. You are constantly to be comparing what I preach to the Scriptures. You're constantly to be comparing my life to 1 Timothy 3. Does this man continue to meet these qualifications? Just because they're on TV and all these people are clamoring for them. Beloved, 
Be warned today. The enemy is sowing evil seed right next to good seed. And often that name comes with pastor, pope, president, preacher, whomever. It's a danger, beloved. We must always be guarded. So church, listen, beloved. If our brother Todd dropped dead today, listen, don't be deceived by some brother's amazing gifts or great speaking ability. You must look to his heart. Look to his life. The danger is here. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and they're sown right beside the sons of the kingdom. So guys, I want you to know at the forefront, Jesus is trying to teach his audience and his disciples the evil one and the weeds are going to be right alongside the wheat and the sons of the kingdom. And so we can't be confused by that. But the good news is, listen guys, The kingdom grows not only despite opposition, the kingdom grows despite its oddity. There's something odd about the kingdom and the analogies that Jesus is using. Why use these type of metaphors? Look what he says again. Consider it for a moment. Back to verse 27. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Listen to their question again. Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? The question is, Jesus, are you competent? Right? I mean, like when things go bad in your life, have you ever had that moment where you're like, God, are you like really in control? God, like, where are you? Why is this happening? Like, master, I thought you're the king. I thought the kingdom's here. Then how in the world is this happening? God, if you love me, then why did this happen in my life? Why is this the path we're walking? Guys, what makes it odd is that the evil is here growing right next to the good. And then it makes it more, even more odd is that Jesus doesn't immediately get rid of the evil one, the weeds. And might listen, we might hear and say, well, why not? And listen, beloved, it ought to cause us to pause and say, hallelujah. Because if he immediately got rid of every weed, that means every one of us. I mean, that's our default course, according to Paul in Ephesians 2, that we were all by nature children of wrath. We are under the power of the influence of Satan. But God, who is rich in mercy, desires to rescue weeds. It's this hope of the beloved gospel. It's this hope of this moment. But not only is it odd that bad seed is there with the good, and not only is it odd that Jesus doesn't allow them to dig it up and throw it away, I think maybe the biggest oddity oddity is just how Jesus expresses what the kingdom actually looks like. Look, if you would, just jump forward for a moment. Jesus tells on the, the end of this parable, he tells another parable, and then followed by ultimately he's going to explain this parable here about the weeds. But in the midst of the weeds being told and explained to the disciples privately, Jesus tells another parable. Look what he says in verse 31 here of Matthew 13. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. So the birds of the air come and make its nest in its branches. The kingdom is, look what he says. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. He says this grain, this mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds. 
But when it's grown, it's larger than all the garden plants. It becomes a tree so the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Like, I mean, the, the problem is when we and they think about the kingdom of heaven, we think about this imposing advance, this powerful coming, this destroying of all opposition. And yet Jesus says, listen, guys, it's actually like a grain of mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds. I mean, it's just this, it's hard, right? I mean, the kingdom comes in this unimposing way. God sows small seeds, maybe even seemingly insignificant. I mean, has it ever felt that way to you that it's just not easy? Like you preach and hope for a revival, but it just doesn't seem to come. Like you pour in your heart to that Sunday school class, but there seems to be little feedback. You pour into that child and children or youth ministry or, and the, you just seem to make little headway with them. You, you, you try as a family to spend time in the Word together talking, but man, at most times it feels like it went terrible rather than actually going good. And that's why we must remind ourselves that the kingdom is like a mustard seed. Little by little, God is growing. Right? I mean, Paul says that one plants and one waters, but God gives what? The growth. He gives the increase. God's actually at work, even though it may seem like it's not happening, like you want to see it with your eyes. It can be discouraging, right, and frustrating to think, well, I'll just quit discipling my family, or I'll quit serving in that ministry, or I'll quit teaching that class. All the while, listen, the enemy is working to discourage you. You and I must get a kingdom perspective. The Lord is doing a miraculous work that we can't see and know at this exact moment, but, beloved, it's going to come. There is a harvest coming. It's the oddity of this small seed that seemingly becomes a tree and which indicates that the birds of the air come and nest at its branches, that there's a sense in which God uses the seemingly insignificant to reach the nations. Might that be you? For example, consider Alexander the Great. It's this thing. Yeah, good, cool. Alexander the Great. Pastor and author Tim Keller notes that when Alexander the Great brought his kingdom to a town, everybody knew it was there. Like when Alexander the Great came, there was only two kinds of people left when it was over. You were either dead or you were in the kingdom. There's no in-between. Right? I mean, you either lay down your life dying, fighting, or you submit and say, Alexander's the king. But the kingdom of God is different. It's like a seed, Jesus says, and not like a boulder. When the boulder comes and hits the ground, man, it smashes the ground and, and leaves this indentation. But the seed... It comes seemingly just so small and gentle. But what's happening, right, is the seed is beginning to revolutionize, happening internally. The boulder, the big kingdom, the the worlds that are coming, it's all external. The boulder comes in, it's sudden, right? I mean, it makes this impact. And the seed, on the other hand, is at times wondering, like, well, is anything even happening? It's gradual. It's, as Jesus says, the shepherd, it's gentle. The seed transforms it completely and ultimately transforms it even more completely. The boulder, yes, it transforms things, but it's only superficial. In the same way, guys, human kingdoms, by one way or the other, are going to try to force you to convert from the outside. The kingdom of God, it comes gentle and lowly, and it transforms you from the inside. Which child of the kingdom are you? Are you a child... Of the enemy or child of God today. Are you a wheat? Are you a weed? For a moment, might we turn back here and just hear an even odd statement in the midst of this oddity of the kingdom of God? Listen to what the question they asked. Uh, it's verse 29 here. 
So let's look at verse 28 for a moment. He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? Listen to, what, listen to Jesus' response. But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the weeds along with them. Pastor John MacArthur says that every time the church has gone to try to go and do this and gather it, it's become a bloodbath. I mean, consider for a moment, 4th century B.C., the emperor, Roman Emperor Constantine. He requires every person to make a profession of faith in Christ on pain of death. And so many true believers refuse. During the Crusades of the Middle Ages, right, unbelievable brutality was committed against those who would refuse to re- repent and, and confess Christianity, especially against Muslims and Jews. And that was all in the name of the Prince of Peace. Think back to the Inquisitions during the Roman Protestant Reformation. The Roman Catholic Church was, was ruling and reigning where the church and the state became one seemingly. And those who refused to consent to the Roman Catholicism teaching were either imprisoned, tortured, or executed. I think it's a reminder to us in the present age, believers, we are not to be instruments of God's judgment and destruction, but of truth and grace. Toward unbelievers, we are not to have a heart of condemnation, but instead a heart of compassion. Yes, the church is absolutely called to preach and teach against sin and all unrighteousness. But in doing that, it's not our purpose to judge, but to win souls. It's not to punish, but to convert sons to the kingdom of God. Thus, by this seeming oddity, the kingdom, we are reminded the kingdom is coming. And although it's growing, maybe slow. What we're going to see lastly is this. As the kingdom grows, don't lose sight of the outcome. Yes, there's opposition. Yes, there's oddity to it because it seems so small and insignificant at times. And you wonder... But Jesus compels his disciples and all of his followers, don't lose sight of the outcome. The text picks up and he says to them, again, when they ask that question, should we just uproot them and throw them away? He said, no, lest in gathering the wheat, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both, let both grow together until the harvest. And in harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. Beloved, that's talking about the vast majority of humanity. Feel the weight of this this morning. As I read the great preacher known as the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, on this text, he says, we read these words and yet have no way to communicate them clearly enough or to understand the weight and gravity of them. This is speaking of people being gathered like weeds and thrown into the fire and burned. He says, but gather the wheat into my barn, this place of safety. Jesus' answer to the good and evil is that at the end of time, all things will be made right. Clearly, both the wheat and the weeds, the good and evil, are going to continue to grow side by side until the end here on earth. Even though Jesus says to the people, the kingdom, yes, is here. It has come. He says, I want you to know, guys, listen, there is going to be a greater and final day when the harvest will ultimately come. So when is this harvest? Look what happens here as Jesus explains it further in verse 38. He says, the field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. Okay, so that's where he's talking about. That's our context. The harvest is the end of the age. Notice he said the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. And listen to the text he continues. Verse 41. 
the Son of Man will send His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Notice he says again that he's warning. He says he will gather out of his kingdom. So there's going to be a separation at the end. Jesus says, listen, if you've got to don't miss what's coming at the end. There's going to be a separation of good and evil, the wheat and the weeds. Notice what he says to them. Listen, and he says he's going to gather all causes of sin. And he's, listen where they're going to be thrown. They're going to be thrown into this fiery furnace. Guys, this harvest is coming. This is the Son of Man speaking. The Son of God speaking. He's saying there's going to come a day. A great harvest is going to come. And it's going to be like weeds thrown into a fiery furnace and burned up, but yet they're not consumed. Why? He says in that place there will be the continuation of weeping and gnashing of teeth. The crying out of anguish, the pain that never ends, the suffering that you can never escape from. Do you hear the awfulness of this place? Maybe you ask, well, how do I know, Blake, if that's where I'm headed or someone I love that's headed there? Well, listen to what Jesus says. He says he'll gather out of this kingdom. I think he defines them in two ways. All causes of sin. And all lawbreakers. Notice none are lost. He's not confused on any. There's no deceiving God. He knows the heart, beloved. He sees the heart. So first, all causes of sin. This word describes that movable part of a trap on which the bait is set. And when that part moves, right, it slings forth and traps the enemy, the prey. That's what it's indicating here. This this figurative image of... This person who's drawing others into sin with them, right? It's as Romans 1 says that not only do they approve of such things, this ungodly way of life, they actually advocate or advance or, or cheer on others to live this way of life that is contrary to the Scriptures. Do you see it in our culture? The way of the evil one, the way of the weeds, is that's what's champion. That's the right way. This Jesus says, I want you to know that they'll not be a part of my kingdom. All causes of sin, he says, he will gather them and burn them. Listen, guys, not only that, he says that all lawbreakers, uh, the word indicates they're anti-law in the sense of saying that God, my feelings or my desires or how I think about myself or how I perceive myself or whatever satisfies my flesh. If the word of God does not meet up and fit with that, then guess what? The word's wrong and I'm right. It's ultimately saying, I'm God and you are not. And he says this this idea of the anti-law, right? They're the anti to the word of God, the truth of God, scriptures, the grace and mercy of God that is revealed in the scriptures. They're rejecting it. Listen, guys, this is the clear teaching of God's word. The tense here of all lawbreakers is present, indicating this is the ongoing lifestyle. Why is that important? Because we all stumble at times, don't we? I mean, we all struggle with sin, but the difference is the believer, the wheat, does not continue on. It repents. It acknowledges that our ways are not right. They're not pleasing. When my life does not meet the Scriptures, it's my life that must change, not the Scriptures, beloved. So Jesus warns, guys, This is what's going to happen at the end. They will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. 
That's the non-believer's end. I mean, I don't know about you ever had a moment, maybe as a child or maybe even as an adult, where you've touched something, the stove is hot, right? I'm assuming that moment you do, you immediately pull your hand back. Beloved, there's no pulling your hand back from this. There's no escape. It's eternal. It's terrifying. Again, it defines it. I mean, listen, we've got to be honest today here as believers. This is speaking about people in our families. This is students. This is people in, this is your friends in your classroom. This is your buddies. This is your friends at work. This is people all throughout this world who have never even heard the name of Jesus. Maybe today it's even you. Listen, while this passage was intended to instill hope and perseverance in the disciples because of the opposition they were facing and will face, one day, yes, God will make all things right, but the gravity of that day must not be lost on the people of God. We must be faithful witnesses. But the hope is, look what he says in verse 43, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Our lives for so long may seem insignificant to this world and seem to have little impact on those around us. Indeed, there may be moments when we feel or others think the opposition must be winning. But it's not the fact. It's not the truth. And eternity will bear witness to that, beloved. More people may reject your invitation to talk about Christ or even come to church than those who say yes. In those moments, we can wonder, like, God, am I making any difference? I mean, the, the, the temptation can be, and Ronald, just again, so clear in Sunday school, the temptation can be just to be quiet and not say anything, not invite them anymore, not talk to them anymore about Christ. Beloved, do you see their end? It's this terrible, fiery furnace with weeping and gnashing of teeth. But for those who repent and believe, beloved, listen, the good news is they're going to experience the righteousness and shining like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. The truth is, none of us here today know how many more days we have left. We know not when this moment will come, when Jesus will send forth these angels to come and reap. But we know that it's certain. And my question to you is this. What are you closer to? Are you closer this day to heaven or hell? To shining like the sun or being burned like the weeds? What about your family? What about your friends and your classmates? What eternity are they closer to at this moment? And maybe we ought to ask, well, how does God plan for them to become a seed? I think one of the ways is is using this church to share in intentional ways. We're going to talk more at the end today, but... Listen, we're, we're planning this Saturday to team up with our, our community and, and, and cook and, and, and pass out food and, and to love on people in the name of Jesus. Lest it may be simple, it may seem insignificant, but in the name of Christ, nothing will be lost, beloved. We must be intentional in big ways or small ways. Whatever ways our Savior dictates and the Spirit of God leads, that, beloved, is the way that we follow Might some of you today look to the nations and realize how few seed sowers there are throughout this world? Might it compel you to begin praying even now about Lottie Moon and the Christmas offering for international missions? 
For others of you, even now, the seed begins to be planted that you begin to wonder, God, might that someday be me over there on those shores? Telling people where there's little or no access to the gospel about the only way that they can be saved. Last week, we asked the question, what soil are you? This week, might we ask, are you the weed or the wheat? Are you a child of the enemy today? Are you a child of God? Are you heading to a fiery furnace? Are you seeing and reflecting the glory of God? To the lost, listen, beloved, to those of you apart from Christ this morning, only one thing will change your eternity. Only one thing and only one person can transform your heart. It is Jesus Christ who died for weeds. He died to release us from being captive to Satan's will. Amazingly, Jesus died on all of our causes and all of our law breaking. He took it on himself on the cross. So that today, if you today, beloved, would believe on him, you might not perish, but have everlasting life. Will you refuse or reject the Savior? To the church today, to those of you who are already in Christ. Let this text refocus our minds and not become deceived. Yes, things are going to grow slowly, but be certain of this. They are going to grow. The gospel is going to keep moving forward. And in the end, we see it clearly. Christ wins, beloved. But guess what? He's also winning today. And he won yesterday. And if we live to see tomorrow, he'll win then too. Beloved, Christ will not be defeated. The church must go forward. It is time. Our families, our friends, they must hear. This community must know. They will perish forever. Oh, dear God, give us a hunger for the lost. Please, beloved, it's everything I've got. Please, I'm begging you, it's time. None of us know how much time we have left. Please, beloved, it's urgent. They will be cast into the fiery furnace. Can you imagine? We can't imagine. Oh, dear God, that's your family and my family marching to that end. Oh, God, please move by the power of your spirit. Raise up a godly, passionate church. Oh, man, it's today. Guys, it's you. It's this church. It's now. We must, in light of this, yes, in seemingly insignificant and small ways, but the kingdom is here and it is ultimately coming. Oh, man, let us be faithful. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we just beg and plead, God, please, that you would do what we cannot do. Thank you, God, that we are going to plant and we are going to water. Lord, in whatever ways you will and dictate, please, God, and direct every decision of this church. Father, please, in every way in which you want us to minister, every way in which we want to make disciples of the believers here in this community and amongst the nations, God, I pray that it will be in accordance with your will, not our will, but your will. But God, I pray this morning, not by my own strength or energy or endurance, for God, that will be momentary. But God, if your spirit today births it in the hearts of these people, a love for the lost, a deep longing for this community, an urgency to share the gospel, Lord, if you will birth that in my heart and their heart, oh God, we'll never be the same. So Father, we are asking today that you would do what we cannot do. Give us a love for the lost. And Father, I pray for those here who are still weeds, who are separated from you. Father, I pray by the truth of your word today that they would come and cry out to Jesus. Save us, rescue us, deliver us, change my heart. Father, please strengthen your church today. 
gather in the lost. We pray this for the glory of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.